What is up, everybody? How are you doing? Welcome to the Hooper's Edge podcast. Uh, I hope you guys are all having a great start to 2021. I am here with my oldest brother, Stephen Kramer, and uh, we're discussing a lot of things about uh, the business and, and, and the media aspect of Kramer basketball business. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to diving into it. How are you doing today, Stephen? Good. Uh, we had a really awesome question from one of our boys, Colin Miller, that we're, we're going to get to. We spoke, I spoke with Colin. You've been in touch with Colin, and he was really cool. He said, you know, we could use his questions for this podcast. Like we said in our last podcast, you can reach out to us and talk to us at any time. Well, guess what? He reached out right away and was, you know, asking you questions, asking me questions about um, tips for training, training other athletes. And that's something that I get asked a lot by young players who love the game and they know that they're not going to be able to play forever, but they want to stay involved or in some way, shape or form. And so they want to learn um, from me on any techniques and tips and advice that I can give them uh, from a training side and, and then from the business side as well. So I'm happy to dig into some of these questions. Yeah, I'm excited. So uh, yeah, Colin, great player. Uh, and the reason he's a great player is because he's a great student of the game. I had the opportunity to train him a few times this summer and uh, he wants to do each move perfectly. He wants to know the purpose behind it. And he's one of those guys that's not just going to do it when you're training him. He's going to take it back to his house and he's going to work on it uh, until he perfects it. And now he wants to know about not just the physical training that we're doing, but, but how you've gotten to where you are. So I'm just going to go ahead and read a part of this text message that he sent you. Uh, so here we go. Hey, coach, hope you had a great Christmas. Obviously, uh, you're very well known in a basketball sense, but I'm interested in the business side of Coach Kramer besides getting ready for the season. I'm looking to build my resume in a business sense. I plan to start a podcast, train younger kids in my area, and referee basketball games, which I just got officially registered to be by the MHSA. Congrats. You've done all these things, so I'm writing for your advice. I know you use Anchor to make your podcast, and, and he asked a few questions about how to start the podcast and uh, get it out there, which we'll answer later. Um, and then he says, how did you start to become a trainer after your pro career? Can you share some early lessons that you learned that you wish you knew before you started training? And can you give me any advice for starting to train younger kids right now? Some great stuff. Like, mm -hmm. that's <laughs> I mean, for somebody to be in high school and asking those kinds of questions already, they let me know that he's he's well ahead of the game and not just, you know, in whatever he decides to go into because of uh, the view that he is looking at things. Like, that's impressive. The other thing that stands out to me is he became a certified high school official in high school already. I mean, that takes some initiative. Like, you know, Colin props to you, man. Like you are getting things done. Respect. Like we've had you at a handful of our camps over the years. Love having you. Great attitude, hard worker, all that stuff. Like uh, I'm not surprised, but I am very impressed. Um, so that's really, really cool. In fact, Colin, if you're listening to this episode, screenshot that you're listening to this episode and tag Micah or I on social media, I got something for you. If you just do that. Listen to the episode, screenshot it, tag me. I'll send you some swag, all right, on me. Like, compliments to Kramer basketball. Like, that's – I'm really impressed with these questions. Um, 
moving into um, what what you were asking about, um, knowing that high school basketball season is about to kick off, it's it's really important that we're always keeping first things first. So although we're going to answer all these questions that he asked, you're a hooper, man. So make sure that your priorities right now as a high school athlete are on the books and they're on your game, right? That That's basketball is important to you. Don't get so far ahead in what comes next that you forget about taking advantage of where you are now, right? Being present. I always talk about being present, being in the moment. Where are you now? You're a high school student athlete. So be a student, be an athlete, and then use some of that extra time that other people may be using to, you know, whether they're spending extra time on social media, maybe they're playing video games and some of that free time. That's the time that then you can use into building some of the other things that, that you're talking about. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's good. All right. Let's dig into, um, he asked uh, some stuff about the podcast, but what was like the first question that he asked regarding like training, trying to look for that as I'm looking through his. Um, Yeah. The first one was how did you start to become a trainer after your pro career? Okay, good, good. So training, this is a great question and I'll give you the same advice on this as I would give to a person who's trying to continue to play basketball or do anything at a higher level is number one, you got to work hard you got to work hard among hard workers. Let's say there's 12 players on your team. And out of the 12, let's say four of them, anybody would kind of come in and say, yeah, they could pick out the hard workers, right? So if you are one of those four hard workers, you cannot look at the 12 people on your team and be like, puff your chest out and be like, yeah, I'm one of the hard workers. Like I'm doing it. Because those eight other people on your team, they don't work hard. So listen, you're not competing against them, right? They've already just taken themselves out of the equation. You're competing against the other three people that are in that group of the four hard workers on your team. You need to work hard among the hard workers. You need to stand out among those that even work hard. That's key. That's number one piece of advice. Number two, it always pays to treat people well. Be kind, treat people with respect, make eye contact, all that stuff. Keep in touch with people. It goes a really long way. Never act like you're too good for something. I got got that. I'm above. I'm beyond that. If you start to have that attitude, other people just start passing you by. Also, nobody wants to be around somebody who thinks they're too good for something else. Not not a fun person to be around, right? And then the third thing is, which I know Colin has in spades, is being a sponge, right? Because he wouldn't have reached out and asked all these questions in, shoot, we've had this podcast for like a week. And he's, he's, he's reached out to us already, right? Being a sponge, trying to learn as much as you can. That will help you in basketball. That'll help you in business. That'll help you as a student, any of those different things, right? So work hard, stand out among people that work hard, be uncommon 
among the hard workers. Always treat people well and be a sponge. We're always learning. When you stop learning, you're in big trouble. All right. So those are big pieces of advice that are foundational before we get into even my, my story. Now, to go back to my background a little bit and how I got into training, it really goes back into college. My degree is in education. And so before I had any clue that I was going to be uh, running a player development business for a living, I knew I wanted to teach and I knew I wanted to coach. That's what I thought I was going to be doing. I thought I was going to be a teacher and a varsity, varsity basketball coach. Um, so, you know, how does that intertwine? It's the fact that I really feel like I'm a teacher at heart. And in order to be a good teacher, I think you also have to be a, a student at heart. So I'm trying to learn, but I love sharing and teaching what I'm passionate about, which is, which is basketball. So that has really, really helped me. And what I do now is that my background is in teaching and education and well beyond before I was into basketball training, I knew I wanted to work with kids, make a positive impact in their life. That was big. After I played overseas for four years, and while I was playing overseas, two of those four years, I was coaching high school basketball. One of those years I was doing training. And while I was also playing overseas, I started a basketball camp that I would come back in the summertime called Thumb Pride Athletics. In fact, um, I started it like officially it was a small business. Thumb Pride Athletics was a small business. It was um, one camp out of the year. Um, but I learned on a very small scale of like revenue, expenses, income, you know, gym uh, reservations, contracts, all of those different things. I got my feet wet. You know, really my first camp that I ran was my the year after I had played overseas. Now with that in mind, it was a fairly easy transition. It was a lot more work, but it was a fairly easy transition for me to run a basketball camp because I grew up going to basketball camps. Mm -hmm. I worked a million basketball camps at, you know, Hope College, at USA schools, at Bayshore camp. I, I'd done volunteer and paid work doing all these other camps, then being a camper and then having a mom and dad who ran essentially a big part of their job was running events for a living, working with Blue Water Thumb Use for Christ. So I could see a lot of the back end work that went into making an event happen that people don't see. I saw a lot of that at a really, really young age. So being able to put on camps and clinics and travel and stuff like that, it definitely came much easier because I had a mom and dad who did something very similar in a different area. After I finished playing basketball overseas, I'm using my education. I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to be a teacher. I was working at USA schools for two years. I was assistant to coach Gainforth for two years on the varsity. One of those years I was coaching eighth grade basketball. And then I started doing more training, more clinics. I started to run the youth basketball program at USA, all of these different things to get my feet wet while I still had my full-time job working um, as behavior intervention was kind of my, my title in the middle school at Unionville Siebling. Um, and so that was a way for me to get a taste of working with high school, junior high, 
and youth level players. And that's when the bug really bit me as far as being able to say like, man, this is, this is exciting to me. I really love and, and enjoy this. And I think it was the summer of 2013. I had a couple other varsity basketball coaches in the state of Michigan reach out to me and say, hey, I see some of the stuff that you're doing. I had a Thumb Pride Athletics Facebook page. I would post a couple pictures and videos. Um, you know, Facebook was a lot different back then. And they reached out to me and said, hey, can you run what you're doing at USA for my kids and my program? And that's when the light bulb went on for me to say, you know what, I'm working hard at this, but I'm not putting all of my time into it because I have a job. Mm -hmm. But if I did dedicate all of my time into this, I could probably make it a full-time living. Um, so with, with all of that in the back of my head going on, like how, how would this become a reality? At the same time, we moved to Bowling Green, Ohio, so my wife could pursue her PhD. So I quit my job. She quit her job. We bought a house, went to Bowling Green, didn't know anybody. And I said, hey, had a really some deep hearted conversations with my wife and said, hey, you're going to get your PhD in four years and we're going to move wherever you get your job. Like, that's fine with me because you moved overseas to live with me. I'll go anywhere in the country that you want to go to be a professor. So we're good there. Knowing that we're going to move in four years, give me four years to see if I can make this business viable, something that provides for my family that is actually legit. And so that's 2014 technically is when I went all in on my basketball business and it's slowly grown from there. Um, pandemic aside, which was pretty devastating. Um, but, but that's kind of the, the history of Kramer basketball in you know, five or 10 minutes. Yeah, I love it. Um, one thing that stuck out to me is how you said the transition from being a, a pro basketball player into a trainer um, that's running large events. Cause I remember early Kramer basketball stuff. Uh, it was originally thumb pride basketball camps. Cause you come back to our hometown uh, you know, the, we had all the schools from the thumb of Michigan. We called it thumb pride camps. And you're just saying the transition was pretty smooth because of uh, what our parents have done and just everything you've soaked up uh, just from learning from our family. And uh, I think that, I think that stuck out to me a lot because that has to do with your mindset uh, because you could have easily been a person that said, I've never ran a large basketball camp. And I don't know anybody else that's done it, especially around here. So I don't know what I'm doing. But you realize that you've been through all those life experiences of, of our parents running events, even though it had nothing to do with basketball. And you're like, hey, yeah, I could definitely do this. So there's you who had an open mind and used everything you've learned. But there could be somebody else that they maybe they've been through the same life experiences as you, as you but they don't have an open mind. And they're going to have no clue what they're doing, even though they, they, they should, you know? So that just stuck out to me, the fact that you had an open mind um, and just being a sponge before, long before you started your business, um, just made the transition easier, allowed you to have connections and just uh, kind of hit the ground running a lot, a lot easier and smoother. Yeah. And, and that background is unique to everyone. You know, my situation is different than the next person's situation. 
Um, and it certainly helps to have a background as a player, having played college basketball, having played overseas basketball. I talked about the background in teaching, right? With a degree in education, that certainly helps and goes a really long way. Like another background that would help would be having a background in business, understanding, you know, the, the revenue streams and marketing and things like that would, would help as well. Uh, if you had a degree in um, like exercise science, that would be a good one in, in this line of work to really understand body mechanics, how the body works and moves nutrition. Um, so, so there's a, there's a handful of different things that a person could go into that would really help them on the training side. But one thing that I get, and a piece of it is kind of from Colin's message, but another part is from conversations that I've had over the years with people who ask me what I do. And then oftentimes they're like, oh yeah, well, I would like to do that. And my biggest question to them would be, why should anybody work with you? What's the reason that like, yeah, you would like to do it. So I would like you to give me a million dollars too. Why would, why would anybody do that? Right. What, what's the reason that, you know, somebody's going to pay you to teach them how to become a better basketball player. They can just go on YouTube or they could just go and play with their buddies. Like why they're going to pay you for, for their time to do that. Like, let's really think about that. What makes you stand out now? The playing experience certainly helps. Micah, you're a college player. You're in that three or 4% of high school players who go on to play college basketball. Does that mean you need to be a player to be uh, an effective basketball trainer? No, it doesn't. But you need to start banking experiences that are going to help you teach the game and understand the game, right? If you're not a student first, why in the world should you be teaching? And that, that's a conversation that I've had with a lot of people who are like, oh yeah, I would, I would like to do that because they like basketball and they like to make money, but they're not a student of the game mm -hmm. and they don't have any experience that other people would want to soak their, their experiences from. Right. And so it's just a, it's a total pipe dream and very unrealistic. So you have to become anybody, even if you've played high level basketball, one of the number one things that I recommend if you want to get into basketball training is to become a coach first. I say that because there are so many people in training out there who are looking at, you know, they're teaching these moves and they're teaching these, you know, step backs and all of these, you know, sidesteps and all of these different moves, but they've never done the big picture of coaching before. And so they're teaching all these tiny little things without looking at the big picture and saying, well, how do all these tiny little things benefit the team aspect, the team being successful, the individual that you're working with, being able to fit into the team that they're playing on so that they can be successful, that leads to more mm -hmm. team success. They're not doing that. And it's really difficult if you've never coached to understand that. Mm -hmm. Like you can listen to me and it makes sense. But when you're actually coaching, when you're at the practices every single day, when it's when it's game time at 730 and you got your five players out there and you know there's specific things that you need to get done from defense, from rebounding, from passing, from shooting, from ball handling, 
and you're realizing that, okay, all you do is crazy dribble moves and step back mid ranges. Well, guess what? You're going to get your tail kicked every single game. If, if that's what you're, you're thinking about. Right. And so become a coach first, get the experience of what the big picture looks like and how player development, that training aspect is a slice. It's a slice of the pie when it comes to being successful for, for a team. When you get some of that coaching experience, it's really going to help you. I'll give you an example. Kid, kid named, not a kid, young man named Jaden Nichols works part-time for Kramer Basketball in Northwest Ohio. One of the reasons that I had Jaden work with Kramer Basketball was because of his experiences. Now, he didn't play college basketball. He was a good high school basketball player. But after high school, he went and became a student manager for the Bowling Green women's basketball team. So he's worked with a Division I basketball program. He's been to the practices. He's been to the games. He, He knows that. After he did that, he started coaching eighth grade basketball. So even at the younger level, he's coaching. He knows what that is like, what leads to wins and losses. And then he also helps out with the varsity basketball team at Bowling Green, running the training, some of the training workouts, going to the practices, going to the games. He is a coach. He is a solid player. He can play, right? Not the college level. But he, you want him to demonstrate, break some down, who he can do it. Mm-hmm. That gave him a a package in a sense that I could look at him and say, okay, he he has all of these skills. I want him. And so so then I was like, hey man, let me let me teach you some of the Kramer basketball program. And so now in in the spring and in the summer and in the fall, he does uh, some of my workouts for me, he does, he works with players that I can't work with. And so the players that reach out to me and I can't work with them, I send them to him. He's built some of his own clientele. So now he's able to make money on his own from, from training. And it's like a little side job business for him. works great, but none of that would have happened if he was just a above average high school player. And then said, well, I'm going to do training, which is, the conversation that I have with most people, like they were an above average high school player. They want to do training. They don't have any experience. Colin, like he's got the referee thing that he's learning right now. That's a a big thing because a lot of players right now that are trying to teach, like, let's be honest, Mikey, you go on Instagram and look up certain moves that trainers are teaching. It is a travel at the high school level. You know, this, Mm -hmm. We On our other podcast, I've had uh, a certified high school and college official on my show three different times. And he clearly states in many of these, there's different rules at the NFHS level, which is National Federation for High School Sports, and like the NBA level or the FIBA level. And we talk about college. So you can't watch every move at the NBA level and then start teaching that to your uh, high school kids, even if they can do it, it's not legal. A lot of the stuff, right? Because there are different rules. So um, it's, it's really important that you, you understand, you know, what you can do at certain levels and apply that to the instruction that you have. And Colin is going to have a big advantage right there. And then the last piece of advice that I would give on this subject is don't, 
try to start everything on your own at first. And this will go towards anybody. I think if you're starting to try to run a business is, you know, you don't have any experience. Why would you think that this is going to be really successful? Right? Yeah. Why don't you work for somebody first? Understand how a business works. Why don't you do an internship first for someone? Why don't you reach out to the local basketball camp that's been going on for a decade and saying, hey, coach, can I come? I'll work for free for the week. Like, I just want to learn all of the stuff. I want to get there early and help you set up because I know to make this camp happen, there's a lot of stuff that you have to do before, you know, 9 a.m. when the whistle blows and things get going. Learn how some of the business runs before it's actually all on your shoulders and things are up to you, make or break, right? Help somebody out first. That's not just basketball. That's anything in life. Um, that, that's a huge, huge piece. I can't uh, understate that enough. Yeah, yeah. That was a lot of good stuff there. Um, the next question uh, I feel like we might have hit on it a little bit, but I'm sure you have some specific stuff that we can get into. This is a this is a question that I'm going to enjoy to hear. Um, can you share some early lessons that you wish you knew before you started training? That is a good question. Mm-hmm. There's so many, like we could go on forever. Yeah. And I'd like to hear your thoughts after this too, of okay. some of the things that you've kind of picked up. Um, one thing that, that kind of first comes to my mind is, when I started training, um, I assumed kids, at least the kids that I was working with were playing more often Mm. than they actually were. And so when they came to me, we spent a ton of time on the skill development and the block practice of like high rep, high rep ball handling, high rep shooting, because I assumed they were getting a bunch of like the randomized, reads and game situation stuff from playing and although that was true for some players for the majority of the players at least the ones that I really started training consistently and in Bowling Green that wasn't the case Um, so I think it's really important that you don't assume everybody's kind of like you Um, you try to do more background work on each player as an individual Mm -hmm. and figure out who's the one that's going to two open gyms a week and playing in a tournament every weekend and they're getting a lot of live gameplay. So then you, you could do more block high rep stuff. And then who's the player who is they're they're running track in the spring. They're not playing AAU. And you, so when they come and work out with you, there needs to be more game type play. There needs to be more randomized decision-making Um, because otherwise they're going to become kind of robotic and they may be able to shoot better in the drill. They may be able to do a a ball handling drill better, but they're not going to get the translation when basketball season comes around because it's literally been, you know, seven months or six months since they've had that quick reading decision-making aspect of playing actual five on five. So um, that, that would be one of, you know, plenty of mistakes that that I've kind of learned from along the way was making sure that I understood what players could could use more of the high rep 
and which players needed more randomized game situations in, you know, the hour that they might have with me every week or the two hours that they had with me every week. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one there. And there's one that popped into my head uh, as soon as I read this question. And I feel like I'm going to have a lot more, you know, throughout this next year when I start training people more and more often, you know, with, without you being there and kind of being the main leader of the camp. Um, but one that I thought of is I always want to show people drills that they've never done before. So they're going to be like, wow, that was cool. And I can't wait to do that, you know, on my own time. Um, and it's, and it's good to show people things they've never done before. Uh, you know, so they can, they can learn something new. They can get reps in an area that they haven't gotten reps in before and learn new reads. Um, and you have so many drills that, that you've just made up. Um, so you do need to incorporate drills that people uh, haven't done before, but I should also blend in things that they're very familiar with, you know, block training, high reps, um, because the issue is if I try to throw um, two hours or, or an hour or one hour of training um, at these kids and I'm explaining a new drill every five minutes that they've never done in their lives, well, then half the camp is going to be me explaining something and then another 15% is them going to be doing the drill half speed because they don't know it yet. And then, you know, the rest of the time, they're actually going to have it down by the time they get it down onto the next one, we're going to learn something brand new again. So for something, something that I just need to, to work on and I'm, I'm excited to is, you know, show people something that they've never seen before so they can get new reads and they can go home and say, wow, that was cool. I can't wait to do it. But also give them something that they're familiar with so they can get in a lot of reps. Um, and just finding that balance between those two is something that uh, I can't wait to apply. That's a great point. And that's a, that's another mistake that I think I made early on was mm -hmm. I was going for too much off factor. Like, Oh, I went to work out with Kramer and we did this drill and he was doing it like this. And it was just like, Whoa. And don't get me wrong. I got the off factor, which is what we see a lot on social media. Yeah. of some crazy stuff and everybody's like wow you know look at that and yeah it is cool like it is cool but game application like what's what's going to make you better in the game and that was something that I remember um when I was just getting started was thinking that I had to come up with something that was like just really wild and out of the box so that I could get attention instead of going back to what I knew deep down mm -hmm. was going to get it done, which was high rep, high intensity game situation work. That's the player that's doing that on a consistent basis. You don't need all the fancy stuff. You're, yep. you're going to be dominant in whatever it is when it comes to skill development. Yeah, for sure. Um, and there is one more question uh, that pertains to training that Colin asked. It said, can you give me any advice for starting to train younger kids? And there, there's so many pieces to give, but yeah. the biggest one has to be, you got to make it fun mm -hmm. and um, you have to, you have to change things up um, rather quickly because younger players and I don't know what age he's really referring to let's say like 
third, fourth, fifth grade also have a shorter attention span. So you got to make it fun. You got to keep it moving. And you have to know that if you tried something and they just it wasn't clicking, it wasn't clicking, most people's inclination is to, it's not working. So we're going to keep focusing on it. And you keep focusing on it and you keep trying to hammer it home. And all of a sudden you were trying to get them to figure one thing out for 30 minutes when you only got them there for an hour and you had planned to only cover it for like 10 minutes. And the kids are just getting frustrated. They're getting bored and you've lost them. Yeah. And so it's, it's really important that, you know, you're going to try some things and you may not be explaining it at their level. And you have to be humble enough to say, we're just going to try it again next time. And as a coach, I'll do a better job and I'll be more prepared next time of explaining it or demonstrating it instead of trying to hammer it home in a way that's, you know, you're wasting their time and you're wasting your own time. Move on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and there are a couple of things that come to mind for me um, is that you can do different things to have fun. Uh, and to make the younger kids have fun than you do with, you know, an older group of, of more skilled players. For example, the young kids, one of the most fun parts of camp is the defensive portion because they love, they love getting in their stance, chopping their feet and just yelling ball, 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 and, and doing these slides and doing the races and stuff. But if you have, you know, if you have older kids, you know, they might work hard at it. They might be really focused and they might be competitive with it, but, 99% of the time, they don't enjoy that as much as the younger kids do. And also something fun with the younger kids, relay races, they're getting better. They're doing stuff they've never done before. You know, you got to dribble with your opposite hand and you got to run full speed. Um, so they go crazy for that. They're getting better. They're having fun and they're cheering each other on. Um, but if you do that with an older group of elite players, you know, guys might think they're too cool for it or, or whatever. And, and, you know, you can just move on to something else that's a little more detailed. So, yeah, I think training younger kids is so cool and, it, and it's so different. There's so many different things you can do to have fun. And training older, more elite players is just fun in a different way because you can be detailed. You can be more intense on more specific. But, uh, yeah, I, I just hope that helps. Um, and, and I'm excited to see how, how his camps go. And you um, mentioned competing. And that's a, that's a big one is yeah. you know, whether you're working with high level high school players or nine and 10 year olds, you're competing. Yeah. It just looks different, right? For those younger kids, it might be a relay race handling the basketball mm -hmm. and how many defensive slide touches can they get? And for an older player, it might be, Hey, we're working on this specific one-on-one -on -one scoring situation with you on the left wing and the defensive player on your left hip and you got two dribbles to score, yep. you know, it might be something more like that, but either way you're competing and competing is fun. We want to teach competition uh, in a, in a positive way, in a learning environment. It's just going to look different depending on the age level. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm excited for the, uh, just, you know, when the pandemic clears up, we're going to do a lot more competing in the camps. That was definitely uh, 
one of the things that was the toughest to incorporate uh, from camps this year because you you want to you want the kids to compete, but at the same time you have to socially distance. So usually the competitions end up being you know some ball handling drills or or things like that. So that was definitely something that I missed the most about camp. Um, and that's it for his questions that talk about training. Uh, do you want to dive in a little bit about how to start a podcast, or do you want to touch on that? Uh, Mike, I mean, you can, you can mention some of that too. Um, like the, you set up this podcast, like I have my own with the coach's edge. You set up this podcast. I mean, you want to walk them through how easy it is. Like it's really easy. Yeah, I can walk them through it. Just listen to the ad that we have on because it's, it's literally that easy. That's what the (laughs) ad says. You know, set up your podcast on anchor, click this, do that. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. I'm serious. That's literally how easy it is. Go to anchor.fm and just do exactly what it says. Go on a Zoom meeting, click record. It saves as an audio file. You drag it into the website and you post it. You don't need to buy a fancy microphone. Um, you don't need to spend a bunch of money. We don't spend any money for this. Um, but you do need to have a plan on what you're going to talk about. So I'd say if you want to start a podcast, the work that you're going to have to do is going to be the content. It's not going to have to be you working like crazy, editing a bunch of audio clips and, and saving up money to buy a fancy microphone. Just, just focus on the meat of what you want to talk about. That's the foundation of this whole thing. And, and just let it fly. Yeah. Like I can't, you're absolutely right. It is so easy to start a podcast. Like, I mean, yeah. You have to be confident enough that somebody's actually going to want to listen to what you got to say, which Mike is, it goes back to talk about. It's about the, the content. Um, and how, like, listen, I made a mistake, man. I was talking to a friend of mine who's big into audio. And I said, Hey, I want to start a podcast for my basketball business called the Coach's Edge. It's going to be for coaches. What's some things that I need to do? Again, this is the audio music guy. He does this research and he sends me about a thousand dollars worth of equipment. He's like, and he's fired up. He's like, yeah, you need to get this and you need to get this and you get this mixer and this microphone and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, whoa, I wasn't even doing the podcast. Like it was just going to be a side thing within my business, not like something serious. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I made this mistake. I bought a $50 microphone that's sitting on my shelf right now. I'm trying to get rid of it and sell it. <laughs> um, then if you're watching on YouTube right now, I have like a 10 or $15 um, sound screen and then like a $35 mic that plugs into my computer. So I use like 50 bucks with all the podcasts that I do. And you'll, you'll probably, when you listen to this podcast, you'll probably notice like my audio sounds a little bit better than Micah's, but not even a ton. And if you listen to someone else's podcast who has like a thousand dollars of equipment, their audio will be better than mine. Like if you listen to our brother Taylor, who has, like a podcast production, his audio is crystal clear, right? Um, but you you don't you don't need that if mm-hmm. you're just trying to like, hey, let's have some fun, let's have a podcast, talk basketball, or whatever it is. Um, it's super easy to set up an account. Um, 
the the one thing that I'll say that people have asked me about starting a podcast is like, do you make money from your podcast? Not really. Like, I mean, no, you're probably not going to make money on your podcast. Like the chance of like being a full-time podcast person is beyond probably one in 1 million. Like, just, just be real with it. Now, being a, having an idea and running a business for a while, have I made money running my podcast? Yeah, I have, Mm -hmm. but it's not from the podcast, if that makes sense. Yeah. We, I, on the podcast, I talk about things that are a part of Kramer basketball, part of the coach's edge. We have people that listen to it and then they purchase what it is that I'm talking about. So did the podcast make me money? No. Did the podcast lead to money in other areas? Yes. And at least for me, that's been a big part of the value of having a podcast is people are bought in. If they're listening to a podcast, they're, they're planning on listening for a while at least. Um, and they respect your opinion. Otherwise they wouldn't be listening to you. Um, and so that's been the financial benefit of having a podcast is people are interested in what you have. So they might go on to something else that, uh, and purchase it that could make you some money, but the chances of you being sponsored and all of that stuff, um, and, and making a bunch of money on it, like slim to none, like for real. Yeah. Um, that's basically it. Uh, he did ask, how do you get it on multiple streaming services? Uh, basically when you make your bio and you set up your account on anchor, uh, you kind of type all that stuff in and it basically sends out an application, uh, to the multiple streaming services and you, you might get approved in a couple weeks. Um, and I, I can't see you getting, you know, disproved, disapproved or whatever the word is. I, I think you're going to get approved and you're going to be able to start the podcast, but it just might take a couple weeks. Um, and speaking of which our podcast just got put on, um, Apple, correct? Yep. 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 I'm excited. It took about like that. a week. Yeah. Yeah. It took a week. Um, but that's it. That's, that's all I got for that. Yeah. So, I mean, I know this was with the Hooper's edge. I mean, one, I want to help you give you an edge on the court in your game, but we also want to help you where you're interested in. And Colin, my man, he reached out and he asked us a bunch of questions. And Michael, like you said, in one of the other episodes, we're going to get back to you. Like it's still involved in basketball. We're passionate about that. And whether you're a coach, a trainer, and especially all the players that we hope are, are listening to this. We want to provide value. We want to help you out. And um, so I, I hope that this was educational for you. And again, the majority of our episodes will be covering basketball, player development, how you can get better, workouts, lifting, all of those different things, mindset. But this was a fun episode, kind of a change up from things that we usually do. Um, and so we hope that that brought you some value. And the last thing that I'll mention Um, before we go, Micah, is if you're listening to this podcast or you're watching on YouTube, screenshot it and tag Micah and or I on Instagram and put it in your story. And I'll pick out one person. We'll pick out one person from the people that tag us on Instagram listening to our podcast. And uh, we'll we'll send you something cool. Uh, I'll send you whether it's a t-shirt or a wristband or jump Kramer basketball jumper or something 
we'll hook you up with some free swag just because we appreciate you that much. So um, screenshot that you're listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, and tag us on IG, and uh, we'll, we'll pick out one person and send you some swag. That's a good deal right there. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Have a great week, uh, and get after it. Let's go.